I will. I know we don't like that. This isn't a scoring system, but we'll give extra points to Elliot for the Elvis Stoico reference. That's a deep cut. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Hattrick. Jordan Deller Coltman, Elliot Tanti, Braden Deller Coltman with you. We took a week off last week. Uh, we were waiting to see what the results of the Stanley Cup Finals would be, uh, and uh, just lots of things going on. So we took a little, a little um, summer break, one week off. We're back. We got a couple fun topics to dig into. Obviously, some uh, hockey news as the season is now officially completed. The Tampa Bay Lightning are repeat champions, the first repeat champions since uh, Pittsburgh a couple years ago. Uh, Not an easy thing to do, but they have found a way to do it in two very strange situations, one in the bubble and now one with sort of the the hybrid COVID season. Uh, Elliot was bang on the head. We'll obviously give him some some bragging time in one of our segments. It's uh, called hashtag Tanty Polar. Yeah, before we get to that, uh, let's just generally uh, ask both of our two, my two co-hosts, how you doing? How you feeling? You had a week off to rest. Are you ready for today, Braden? I'm absolutely ready for today. Elliot? Yeah, it didn't feel very restful as I moved on our week off, but... I was going to uh, say, yeah, your background's a little to... different in the Zoom. Yeah, different, different, different place. I got an office now and things like that, nice. so uh, like really... I think this we're taking this podcasting thing to a whole new level. Upgrades. All right. We will, uh, well, let's get to it then. Upgraded and ready to go. Topic one. Okay. So as mentioned, NHL playoffs are over. Uh, Montreal Canadiens couldn't get it done for Canada. A lot of people uh, put a lot of hope in that, uh, that they would be bringing the Stanley Cup back north of the border. Um, personally, I think it would have been difficult to have lived with their fans after they had won because that is one of the most boisterous fan bases in the nation. But I did pick them, so I have to admit that I was wrong. Braden was wrong. Elliot was right. Elliot, I will open the floor right up to you. Uh, Tampa Bay wins the Stanley Cup, and you, once again... Uh, predicted correctly. How are you feeling? Well, boys, I hate to say that I told you so, but I told you so. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I think it was, I don't think this was necessarily an easy thing to predict. And I think I was going out on a bit of a limb picking Tampa in five. I think heading into the series, the teams looked a lot closer. And as you guys and many others did, uh, you could bet on Carey Price to keep Montreal in the series. And largely he did. But the last game was indicative of sort of everything that goes on with Tampa Bay and that, you know, Carey Price held them to one goal, but one goal was all they needed. Um, Holy smokes, is Tampa Bay good? Uh, It's been a real treat to watch them over the last two years. I don't think there's an asterisk or anything around uh, the two seasons that they've come through or these two Stanley Cups. I I think that the competition was fair. Um, And so this will go down as one of the best, I think, post cap era teams uh, over two years in terms of just the the skills and and what was going on. And uh, yeah, feels good to be right. But uh, um, man, Tampa is really, really, really good. And uh, that team is not coming back next year. So uh, I'm glad we got to enjoy it. I think you're right. There's no asterisks as far as the bubble or the COVID part of it, but I mean, there's been a lot of question marks. There's a lot of question marks about whether or not they, you know, they fandangled the CBA and the way in which Kucherov was on LTR. And you're right, they can't. They just they're over the cap. That that they have too many players, too much salary for the rules. 
Um, for you, Braden, what are your final thoughts there on the series? Does that uh, tarnish it at all for you, or did do, do do you sort of just accept that they just dominated them? Yeah, they did. They they absolutely dominated them. I don't think you can chalk up uh, their success to the fact that they were uh, too many men on the roster uh, at a certain price, but it's within the rules that are there right now in the NHL. And if the NHL thinks that that's a deserved of an asterisk on the, uh, the title, then they need to do something about changing how uh, that works into their uh, system. But I, all I got to say is like the, the team is stacked and I would be so happy to have any of that, even the third line of Tampa Bay on my team. Totally. Uh, the other, the other obviously storyline that, that comes out and Elliot alluded to it briefly, Carey Price was, I mean, he was great. He really was. Even in that last game, you know, the, the, he, he, he held them in it long enough that they should have had more opportunities had they been able to get their offense going in Montreal. I mean, um, I think this has to be considered sort of, you know, if not one of the, the highlights of Kerry's career. I mean, he's won some Olympic gold medals. But, I mean, just the way that he put this team on his back and really dominated and did so, I think, so, like, carefree and almost just looked like he was relaxed and just in the zone. It was vintage Kerry Price. Um, that's got to be a big takeaway, right? I mean, we were writing him off a year or two ago, weren't we, Elliot? Oh, yeah, I think that that's really well said. I mean, he, he really showed what, what can happen when you get a really strong goalie and that really strong goalie gets hot in the playoffs. He did carry the team. But that being said, I, I think that um, there's not enough credit to in the way that Mark Vergevin built this team. It certainly wasn't a regular season series team. They did struggle. They did sort of limp into the playoffs. Um, but they are a team that's built to compete in the playoffs. And I look at, you know, those, their top four defense, for example, and the way they've built around that team. And when you have a, a defensive core like that and couple it with Carey Price, who's playing sensational, um, you know, this team is a lot better. This is a, this is a, be- a really strong playoff team. And maybe it's not, it shouldn't be as surprising as it was that they got as far as they did. Yeah. Totally. Are they really, they- are they really this good, Braden, or is this just another one of those overachieving team of, I mean, a lot of guys who, who may have overachieved. Can they do this again next year? Are they this good? Is Montreal this good? Yeah. Is this, is, are they for real or was this just a right circumstance, right moment, right guys kind of situation? Does this yeah, team have, you know. They're definitely a step up from what they were with without Josh Anderson on their team. Um you know, carry playing the way they are. I, th- I think that this team's legit. They, they had a hot start, uh, you know, in the, at the beginning of the season and they've, and they've persevered through into the playoffs beating uh, some really difficult competition. And like you said about Carey price and his stellar performance, if they're not facing Andre Vasilevsky, I think, I think they have a, a much uh, easier chance at, at lifting that cup. Well, and the other the other funny story. Well, here is maybe I'll leave this as the last sort of question to both of you. Uh, one of the big storylines from Montreal, and I know it's funny we're talking about Montreal more than Tampa, but probably because we spent a little more time on them all year. But there two two of the sort of biggest brightest stars aside from Carey Price were Suzuki and Caulfield. And I mean, Caulfield is Caulfield not like the front runner highest betting odds for Calder trophy winner next year. The kid is still a rookie because he hasn't played enough regular season games and he, he led their team in goals in the playoffs. I mean, that's pretty phenomenal for a rookie. Uh, again, it's one of those situations where like, is this a Fernando Pisani who just went on a great run or is he legit? I would argue he's legit. We haven't seen enough yet, but would you be putting yeah, money on him for Calder next year, Elliot? 
with what you've I mean, seen? I, I mean, I think you have to. I, we'll see what the next draft class is looking like. I, I mean, I'm going to totally ignore your question and add another point that I have here, <laughs> which is just that I'm interested in, I, I think Montreal will be a dynamic team if they make the playoffs next year. But if they make the playoffs next year is a big if, because we're going back to realignment in the original right. divisions. Yeah. And I really have to wonder, you know, Tampa Bay's in their division. Toronto continues to be in their division. Yep. There's Boston, some strong Boston. teams in there, but yeah. And, and, and Ottawa, I think that the fans not are expecting playoffs this next year. So there is going, they are entering into a tough, they can't have the kind of regular season that they had this year, next year, and even expect to get a chance to play in the playoffs. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, 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 let's leave it there. I know Braden's excited to do some off season uh, sort of uh, speculation. We will do that next week. Uh, that was topic one. Topic two this week is brought to us by Busy Bee Vegan. Are you feeling hungry? Busy Bee Vegan is a plant-based meal prep service offering pre-made, delicious, and healthy plant-based meals to the greater Toronto area. Whether you're curious about plant-based vegan eating, looking to improve your overall health and wellness, or simply too busy to cook, Busy Bee is for you. Their plans are focused on eating clean without sacrificing taste and contributing to a healthy planet. They have made it super simple. Choose and order your meals from the multiple plans they offer, and they will deliver your meals in environmentally friendly compostable containers right to your door. You can find them on Instagram at Busy Bee Vegan Meals or on Facebook at Busy Bee Vegan. Go check out a small local business in Toronto and save the hassle of COVID grocery shopping and cooking. Let the Busy Bees feed you buzz-worthy meals. Okay, uh, we are a little late on this topic as we didn't have a show last week and this news broke uh, over a week ago, but it it was just something I really wanted to dig into. Uh, USA sprinter Shakari Richardson has been pulled from the USA Olympic team after qualifying well enough to have made the Olympic team. She should have been on the four by 100 relay and she's an incredibly fast woman uh, for America. She's, she was, you know, every, every indication was she was going to be on the Olympic team after all of their trials. She tested positive for marijuana and uh, the USA Olympic team chose as a result not to uh, pick her for the team. It wasn't like she was barred from going. She she would have been able to be, in, be on the team and po- test negative again had she been uh, tested for the Olympics. However, uh, they made a decision not to put her on the team. And obviously, it, it, it opened up a lot of conversations about where we are in sports and also in the bigger culture about specifically marijuana i mean drugs in general and 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 there's a bigger conversation obviously to be had there about the legalization of drugs or drug prohibition in general however this was marijuana in the state she lives in california it is legal uh and the 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 majority of u.s states if they haven't already legalized it, are beginning to have those ballot initiatives come up more and more frequently we're seeing it becoming more and more frequent there's a conversation about it as a and then obviously we live in the country of Canada where it's completely legal. It's regulated, but it's legal. Uh, an athlete would test positive for it, would only be banned from their sport if their sport itself had a rule. Here's the thing. Um, when you look at marijuana specifically, obviously there's a big question mark. Is it a performance enhancing drug or is it, we are, are we still trapped in an old fashioned notion about um, drugs in general? the sort of relics of the war on drugs and also just the idea that doping in sports has become such a a hot topic and hot button issue that we we sort of have this knee-jerk overreaction 
in in sort of a broad stroke and we are not yet to the nuances of the specific things that's what i wanted to talk about specifically she has been barred there is definitely a conversation going on about whether or not it is there's a racial component to it as a black athlete looked at differently than perhaps a white athlete uh all of those kind of things uh i'll open the floor up first to brayden what were your thoughts when you first heard about this i thought it was a joke um she you know she describes the fact that she had uh smoked some marijuana to deal with the loss of her mother um which is i i guess i guess it doesn't matter in testing you know you can you can choose to use drugs or not uh but in terms of it's like i guess the performance enhancing part is is the thing that i get caught up on we talked about sticky substances in the, in, in uh, the last episode you know i was thinking about after that like smelling salts like what how does well that combats adrenaline and for something like weed or cannabis i think the thing is like our cultures it's we're still not quite understanding or at a point where we are ready to allow it to be a part of like a mainstream or everyday um the way we look at alcohol or something else yeah i guess so yeah i guess so in terms of in terms of its uh yeah relationship to uh to how we use it i think it's we're not quite there yet and and that seems that's that's the only thing that i can think of that's mm -hmm. holding this whole thing up elliot thoughts yeah, a couple things. You mentioned race and the fact that she's a woman at the end of your intro. And I mean, like, there's a very clear example of unequal treatment. I mean, Mike uh, Phelps had a whole thing where he was smoking cannabis and caught doing it, and, and he was treated very differently. Now, that was that in the lead up to Olympics? No. Was there's a little bit more TMZ ish nature to that whole thing. He was already a star and had already competed. So things are a little bit different, but in terms of just treating people differently, that, I mean, it seems to me that it's very clearly clear that uh, there, there's inconsistencies in terms of how the U.S. Olympic team is dealing with issues of testing positive for THC. And it seems to me to be at least partially racially motivated. I, I, I don't know a lot about the details of this. Uh, of course, I heard the story. I guess my feeling is, of course, Cannabis is legal in California, but I feel like the uh, U.S. Olympic team has been really clear about that, that it's not an appropriate use substance to be using if you want to be on their team. And I don't think they've ever, there's been any, um, they've ever waffled on that position. And so as an athlete, months, you know, months before about to perform in a major event, I think you have to, you know, respect the guidelines of the organization with which you're supposed to be uh, which will be picking you. And, uh, and I think that there was a mistake made here. Does it mean that she shouldn't compete? Absolutely not. I think the, 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 the punishment far outweighs the crime. Um, but a mistake was made here. Well, I think the thing for me is it, it comes back down to a bigger conversation about sort of the policing of, of sports. And obviously this always seems to come up when it comes to the Olympics, because we have uh, such a variety of sports and therefore such a variety of opportunities for doping or opportunities for cheating that we don't when you're dealing with a specific, you know, a singular sport in a singular league, there's specific sort of uh, different factors, let's put it that way. There's so many more different types of sports that need different kinds of treatment and all these kind of things. You end sure. up with athletes who have used like 
a specific type of ointment for saddle sores because they're riding bicycles that turns up so, on a drug test or whatever. And what I, I guess I'm trying to say is the Olympics and no, but that's what I, I agree with you. It isn't performance enhancing, but what the, is the bigger then? piece what, of it? Why is it there? This is what I'm going to say. I think it's a bigger culture of, uh, of, of the anti-drug part of it, the anti-doping part of it, and the casting of a very wide indiscriminate net trying to show that we have, like Elliot said, we have these rules and we have to follow these rules. But just because you have rules doesn't mean that those rules are good, not that they make sense and that we have we have bigger problems with it. You know, the other kind of controversy that was happening around the same time as this is two other female athletes have been barred from their Olympic uh, organizations, one of them being Canadian. In fact, pardon me, both of them were Canadian. One of them was, an, was a basketball player on, who had been a part of the women's basketball team and the second was the second uh ranked women's boxer in the world who's canadian both of these athletes uh were being told they couldn't participate at the olympics because of uh the fact that they were mothers for different reasons one one of them the woman on the basketball team needs to be able to breastfeed her child japanese organizers said she wasn't allowed to bring her infant into the country because of their covid rules so she could come into the country as an athlete but if she was going to come to the olympics she wouldn't be able to therefore breastfeed her six-month-old daughter and she had to make the decision whether or not that she was comfortable with that she chose originally to say no i'm not going to go to the olympics then i need to be there for my child luckily again they changed their policy on that after some pressure from the ioc the second one being the second ranked women's boxer in the world had not qualified for the olympics because they chose not to do trials they chose instead to go back uh, to a specific time before COVID and look at everyone's rankings from fights during that window. Well, she happened to be on maternity leave during that specific window. Had she been allowed to compete uh, in an Olympic trial, as she had thought would be the case prior to COVID, she would have qualified for the Olympics. So they, they barred her from going originally because they said she hadn't qualified. Well, she's the second ranked women's boxer in the world. It, 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 it's wrong. And it's, again, something a man or a male athlete would never have been subjected to. I'm not saying this is a gender thing specifically, but there are a lot of dumb rules is what I guess I'm saying. And when it comes to marijuana, I think that it's time for um, the international anti-doping agency, the doping agencies at all of these, you know, all of, for all these countries, the United States, Canada, to start really going back to the specifics of these cases. And instead of just having these blanket catch-all rules, to start to break them down and actually have conversations case by case about the severity of the offense and the the actual intent of the of the rule because if if the rule is there simply to to make it you know impossible for anyone to ever do drugs well it gets very complicated when again drugs become legal or drugs become you know I guess that's what, where I come down on it is. It's just, yeah. if you're just going to throw a wide net to catch everybody, it's no different than max, mandatory minimums and the yeah. other problems we had during the war on drugs. And this is just a relic of that. Yeah. Well, you see the NBA, the NBA this year, they completely removed their testing on marijuana specifically because one, they, uh, like they actually had said because of the pandemic and the stress that was induced on that, on a lot of people from that experience, knowing that this was something that a lot of their players decided that they could use to um, uh, medicate with. Um, also knowing that there's, there's nothing. Uh, yeah. I get caught up performance enhancing. What is it that's. Well, the only thing I think the argument about performance enhancing would be that if it's pain relief, 
in a in a specific sport, it could be considered, you know, uh, no different, I suppose, than taking Tylenol. But I don't know. It, 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 it is a bit per, it's a bit perplexing. I will agree with that. Any last thoughts, Elliot? Well, I mean, and what are we encouraging people to do, especially if this is around pain management, which is an ongoing conversation or yeah. a really serious one. And what we've seen in other sports like football, hockey, is that either the lack of access or sometimes too much access to, to pain reducing drugs uh, has caused more, much more severe chronic health issues in other spaces. So too much being, yep. you know, dependency and overdoses, but also, you know, I remember I think it was Elvis Stoiko in his last year of competition, like wasn't allowed to take Tylenol and had like a massive leg injury or something Jeez. like that and hobbled through it. And it was sort of like, what the hell are we doing here? Uh, let's just figure out what is good pain management. What's not what we're going to allow, what we're not going to allow. I mean, this is so complicated because the other thing with the Olympics is you get interwoven. Like this is a decision made by the American Olympic body, but yeah. there's the international Olympic body that has different rules and standards and expectations as well, too, yeah. and trying to find alignment. And then you've got, you know, all the different countries that are competing. So this is a complex issue. Um, but and so, you know, I'll say that. But I, I, I do think that more thought needs to be put into how we're thinking about athletes recovery, both mentally, mentally and physically and what. Uh, uh, and and what we're going to allow because they deserve relief just anyone else it's yeah you know they're, they're there to be the best not the best at managing pain i will i know we don't like that this isn't a scoring system but we'll give extra points to elliot for the elvis stoico reference that's a deep cut that was topic two <laughs> do you or someone you know own a small business are you looking to grow or to reach new customers Hey, why not let us help? Hattrick is looking for unique brands, businesses, and products to advertise on our show. You can find out how we can help spread the word about your business by contacting us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Okay, topic three. We go across the pond. We go to the beautiful game. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we mentioned something about... We did talk a little bit about this because we talked a couple weeks ago about Ronaldo and the ESPN Twitter faux controversy. Okay, the Euro, one of the biggest tournaments in the world, huge attention every time it comes around. Uh, lots of lots on the line. Fans get very excited uh, every time. It, you know, it's not the World Cup, but it's sort of like the World Cup Junior, uh, and it's a it's a big deal. Uh, Italy winning on penalty kicks today uh, against England. England, one of those teams that are very polarizing. No, yeah, okay. Well, that's not what I was going with, but yeah, <laughs> um, uh, England, one of those teams that. Uh, has sort of a very uh, a Chicago Story Cubs like feel. Yes, uh, a uh -huh. bit of a, a bit of a cursed nation since the hand of God and Maradona. They they're just one of those teams that every single time they get into one of these international tournaments, it always seems like uh, they're just doomed for some heartbreak. Uh, it came in extra time uh, on penalties today elliot final thoughts on the euro i know you've probably been a little more tuned into it than the other two of us here due to uh your relations i know you have a big germany fan in the building um, and interest yeah thoughts on uh thoughts on the euro this year yeah it was a great tournament it was really uh had all the features of a good international uh soccer tournament uh in terms of you know there was a great group stage a really competitive group of death uh which was uh, uh really entertaining to watch there was one game i there was two games going on at the end of the group stage and as they were going as teams were scoring uh different goals because they were all so close they were moving up and down in the standings it was really entertaining and really interesting 
Um, you know, it had major collapses by big world powers, <laughs> Germany, um, and then also uh, great just stories of countries rallying around things or, or stories and that being the Denmark story this year too. Mm. And, and the gentleman who, you know, uh, collapsed on the field early on in the tournament. My, my, I think the big takeaway is that watching the game today, you know, generally speaking, these final matches, the finals matches are terrible to watch. They are, everyone is clutching and grabbing. There's embellishment. People are, it's just terrible soccer to watch because the pressure is so <laughs> high and the stakes are so high in terms of the game. But England scoring three minutes in, completely changed the dynamic of the game because it was basically Italy pressuring for the rest of the game to get the tying goal. And it was a full sort of all out press. Uh, and, 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 you know, obviously Italy did manage to tie it up and then any game that ends in penalties is the most exciting finish to any type of tournament. So, uh, you know, good, great tournament, but uh, one of the few times in which I think it's going to, it's been a memorable final. It's funny. Uh you mentioned the the England goal. Uh, I was not watching the game at the beginning. Uh, I caught a little bit uh, of it in the middle. Um, I was just out and about, but immediately, like my phone exploded with just this people talking about it. It was like the isn't it the fastest goal in Euro history? It's just like two minutes. The whole yeah. Yes, it usually, was. Yeah. You know, usually, like you mentioned, those finals they sort of even even watching like NHL playoff games. Usually, that first couple minutes, it's teams still trying to figure figure it out, and they take the time. And there's a couple, you know, usually there's one or two good opportunities, but not everybody's sharp yet. But man, out of the gate like that, and you're right, it it, it just set the tone. Unfortunately for them, they scored early, but uh, not uh, not again. Uh, Braden. Uh, just that soccer or footy or whoever, I never know who to, whoever. What to say. And I never know who to <laughs> say footy or soccer to, depending on their relationship with that sport. And I, I, I don't want to, I don't mean to offend either, but for me, soccer is the closest thing sport has to theater in that it takes forever. Like the exposition is so <laughs> large that the, the minute something happens, is where it's exciting, but I've I, I so I started watching like I watched a few games early, but then uh, the semis and and both were one one games, uh, which is really really fun to watch. Uh, this this match, the only thing that stood out was they had like three minutes left, I think, uh, before extras, and they subbed Rashford, Sancho, and Saka. With the hope, I think, for them to all shoot in the penalties, and all three of those guys missed. And I don't know if that's a huge blunder on this head coach, or if the the weight the of the moment, the intensity, uh, the manager. My apologies. He wears a suit. He's not a coach, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I think you know you, you raise a really interesting point. And it's one that's forever dated and uh, debated in soccer. It's sort of that sort of that rest versus uh, the energy skill yeah. versus energy. Uh, you know, for yeah. some of those guys, they tried to get them in, and and but many of them, you know, one or two touches during the game, and then they're expected to go up and kick probably one of the, the, their most important penalty of their, mm-hmm. well, of their professional that, lives. Right? Right? was and, like yeah. nineteen years old or something, and now he's like he's. He, I don't just what he's I don't love right the, I, I gotta imagine. say I don't love the strategy I think it's I think it's poor I think you want people that have been in the game and that are warm and that but you know obviously I'm not a, a, a soccer manager but this is not the first time that that's happened too and yeah. it's interesting that you know that it's unfortunate that when it's it is like it, yeah it's it sort of a strategy right it's a strategy thing different, yeah different managers have different things but you want these you 
like would they just play forever is that the worry that they're just gonna play forever and they'll cramp and die and the game won't ever finish like penalties what do you mean instead of taking oh i see instead of the play like for me in soccer it's so much more exciting than like when you have to finish an international hockey game in a shootout i don't know wouldn't it be awesome if soccer was the same way that hockey shootout was where they had to like dribble you don't have guy yeah you don't have substitutions oh i see you know what they did here's a funny thing we're over time here and this is not euro related but that that they did do that in the first couple years of the mls when they were trying to be like the different north american league they had like goal hockey style penalty kicks at the end of games so you <laughs> yeah. got the guys would pick up the ball is the net the same size yeah, yeah yeah they wouldn't be all the way to center but they'd pick the ball up outside the box oh and they could God. charge in at the goalie and they there was no like there was no like penalty mark they could they could shoot from anywhere and the goalies were allowed to charge out at them it's pretty pretty ridiculous there's some good highlights yeah, of it on youtube because typically you have to stay on your goal line until the, the right. player kicks the right. kicks the and ball you're really so guessing you, i can tell you you're, as you're a, really guessing as a keeper, yeah. like I only had to face one penalty shot. I think I, I played what, like a couple years of high, high school soccer, but I only ever faced one penalty shot. And it is 100%. You're just like, okay, I, I'm oh going to go God. this way. You're just guessing. The guy's right legged, you know, and you're hoping that he's not a good shot and you just get lucky. Oh and if God. the guy's good, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's way different skill wise than. But you know what? Way. I thought that as well until I saw the Italian goaltender. Cause even in the semis, he was making big stops in the, in the penalties. Like, oh, he's like, he's exceptional. He's exceptional. Unreal. Three stops. Let me think this. of one other thing, Braden, that we had, what you brought up, we don't see a lot in other sports and hockey being a, you know, at the NHL with shootouts now to finish games, it's very common to see shootouts, but you don't see a lot of like gamemanship or strategy there. I do, however, remember in like mm. the first or second year that the shootout came in, there was a lot more creativity. I don't know if you remember this. The, well, Oilers, the goalies example, a bit. Yeah, the Oilers would have Mike Morrison on the bench playing backup, but he was so good in the shootout that they would literally just put him in for the shootout. He wouldn't have played any of the game. He'd come in off the bench Dude, cold. And who he the hell is Mike Morrison? I've never heard of Mike Morrison. Do you mean Matthew Guerrero? No, I mean Mike, Mike Morrison. Morrison. Go that. Yeah. Anyway, who the hell is this? There's a, there's a deep cut for you too, Elvis Story. Yeah, yeah, so Elvis Story and the, Mike Morrison. We're going into we're showing our age today. <laughs> Number one. Our age. While Braden does a little googling and some YouTube looking wow. up for the history of this, we will congratulate Italy. We will congratulate the Tampa Bay Lightning. We were going to talk NBA, but uh, Milwaukee's going to make it a series now. It's two two to one in that series. So we'll 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 talk about the champion of the National Basketball Association next week if that series is over. We will talk next week about. Uh, the NHL offseason as we will be in the same week as the expansion draft. Lots to talk about. Thank you, Braden. Thank you, Elliot. Another great episode. And thanks everybody for listening. Uh, this has been Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. Did you know Mike Morrison was the he became the starting goalie in 2006? I've never heard of this guy. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples. 
as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.